Hi, I'm Christina Dennis, and you are listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a recovered life discussion all about setting healthy boundaries and how codependency could be keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now let's jump into the discussion. Looking forward to today's discussion. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Recovered Life Discussion and the Setting Healthy Boundaries Room. Um, I am delighted to join you, and I really appreciate you coming to the room. We're going to have a beautiful conversation today about setting healthy boundaries and um, and how we can take care of ourselves. Uh, I think almost everybody here knows me, but I will do a quick little background. So uh, for people who are on the replay and on the podcasts, they will also be introduced. My name is Christina Dennis. I am a recovery coach uh, with long-term sobriety. I I was never even familiar with that phrase until um, I came onto this app Clubhouse and and heard it, which is kind of funny because, um, you know, you hear things, I guess, when you need to hear them. But uh, I have been in the recovery world since 1997, and my passion, my uh, coaching practices is really around that next level of recovery and helping people break codependent patterns um, and deal with history and relationships that tends to be my passion. And so uh, I love having this room every week where we get a moment, a time in order to, um, you know, sit down, think about these things and really be there for each other. So I want everybody who is here in the room, consider coming up and sharing. Some ground rules are uh, because this is rebroadcasted, we use first names only. Um, Of course, you can use my last name since I've already said it, if there was any reason for us to use last names, but I try to do my best to protect anonymity and safety. Uh, Also, we are kind in our responses. I have to say in the year that I've been, well, I guess a year plus that I've been uh, meeting with people on this app, I rarely have come across any situation where that wasn't par for the course. And I believe that's especially important in recovery rooms. And so I I say it at the front, if there's any reason that um, your response cannot be kind or is unkind to others, you will be removed. But, I am looking forward to just having a beautiful conversation. And I sometimes when I'm thinking about what I want to do in this room, I uh, will go to one of my favorite meditation books, uh, Language of Letting Go. Um, A little background on me, I have uh, been in the 12-step movement for many, many years. Uh, And so sometimes the literature I have uh, reflects uh, that kind of spiritual technology. However, all paths are welcomed, and um, especially in this room. I I have to say that I found my place in recovery um, 20 plus years ago in the rooms of codependent recovery, and that was where I felt best. Um, Quick background, I did... um, enter into recovery for alcoholism. Uh, But within a couple of years, I realized that it was, you know, alcohol, uh, body dysmorphia, uh, workaholism, uh, compulsive debting, all these things were ways that I, and symptoms of my bigger problem, which is, um, you know, codependency. It's not believing I have any self-worth. And so I think that most of our world uh, gets um, a codependent love is popularized, a all or nothing, I die for you, I'll die without you, tends to be, you know, the theme of a lot of um, 
literature and books. And so in this world, I always want to use my voice to talk about healing those belief systems uh, that bring us to the point where we don't have a sense of self. And I will say it over and over again. Um, I have met a lot of codependents who are not alcoholics or not abusive um, towards substance, but I've never met an alcoholic who doesn't have um, codependent traits. So this room, Setting Healthy Boundaries, is about taking an hour out of your week to really sit back and nurture a sense of self and figure out how to start having good boundaries and stronger relationships where everybody shows up and the goal is interdependency rather than codependency or even um, the kind of independency that can leave us without the ability to connect. So with that being said, welcome Kathy, welcome Elizabeth. How are you doing this afternoon, Kathy? I am doing well, thank you, this afternoon. I hope you're doing well this morning. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, this is the first time I, I connect with people. It's 9 a.m. on the Pacific Coast, but I know it is 4 or 5 where Kathy is. So I think that's one of the best things about this app and Recovered Life Discussions is we get to meet people all over the world. And one of my favorite people is Kathy. Welcome, Elizabeth. I haven't seen you for a while. So happy to see you up here speaking. So grateful. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. And I am in Toronto and it's noon hour. And I love the topic that you've chosen today. Yes. And just a quick introduction. Um, I've known Christina for um, nine months now, I would think. Yes. And I, uh, we, we've, uh, networked together for nine months, and uh, uh, I've been in recovery since 2008. And uh, I, my specialty is not in um, codependency, but I certainly agree that with the statement you just made that, you know, I believe all alcoholics have a degree of uh, codependency, and my uh, specialty that I like to work in is I'm a, in relationship coaching and uh, you know the the uh, the work that we do is all in connection and relationships in recovery and that next level of recovery but certainly in early recovery as well and that connection with self and the, the trauma of in recovery is so important to get away from that self-loathing. So it all begins with that, uh, you know, building one, getting oneself out from that rock bottom and continuing yes. and continuing uh, throughout to get to that beautiful place of living and thriving. So I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. Yes, you uh, you have an amazing story um, that I think you actually were one of my first guests um, when I started this uh, a year ago. And so I love seeing you. You have wonderful recovery. And I agree. Um, one thing that uh, we want to do in Recovered Life is have a place where we can talk about the trauma. And uh, for today's topic where you, um, people can come and share whatever they need to share. But I have picked a reading from The Language of Letting Go that I really love. It's not today's reading, but it is a daily reader. And uh, when other people sharing, I will put uh, the name of the reader that uh, I use um, because I think they're just some valuable lessons in it for everyone. So I actually picked one from uh, October 6th because it's one of my favorites and I think that um, this is very very important I mean if there's if I could be accused of repeating one thing over and over again it would be about self-care and so the name of this reading today is taking care of ourselves it's healthy wise and loving to be considerate and responsive to the feelings and needs of others that's different from caretaking Caretaking is a self-defeating and certainly a relationship-defeating behavior, a behavior that backfires and can cause us 
to feel resentful and victimized because ultimately what we feel, want, and need will come to the surface. Some people seem to invite emotional caretaking. We can learn to refuse the invitation. We can be concerned. We can be loving when possible, but we can place value on our own needs and feelings too. Part of the recovery means, part of recovery means learning to pay attention to and place importance on what we feel, want, and need. Because we begin to see that there are clear, predictable, and usually undesirable consequences when we don't. Be patient and gentle with yourself as you learn to do this. Be understanding with yourself when you slip back into old behaviors of emotional caretaking and self-neglect. But stop the cycle today. We do not have to feel responsible for others. We do not have to feel guilty about not feeling responsible for others. We can even learn to let ourselves feel good about taking responsibility for our needs and feelings. Today, I will evaluate whether I've slipped into my old behaviors of taking responsibility for another's feelings and needs while neglecting my own. I will own my power, right, and responsibility to place value on myself. And I love this reading because I think that one of the confusing things about recovering from codependency is that it's not black and white um, like if you were having abstinence, you know, from a drug or the drink. Uh, and, you know, it reminds me a lot, the recovery and defining your circles, defining your sobriety reminds me a lot of the times that I participated in Overeaters Anonymous. And we, you know, we have to eat. So it's not, you know, abstinence or sobriety around that is a little more gray than just not, you know, no one cannot eat. No one cannot have a relationship. That was such a terrible sentence. I, <laughs> but what I'm saying is that it is hard to determine when we are caretaking versus just caring for. And it's important to emphasize that codependence, like our, our intention, our inclination to be kind and loving to others is a good thing. It is not a negative thing. Um, I've sometimes participated in rooms where I've heard leaders um, who are also coaches uh, spout off and say things that are negative, you know, and I've heard people in early recovery really slam themselves for having caretaking tendencies. And um, Elizabeth touched on a little bit, I, I, and we've had rooms on it in this particular discussion about, you know, we didn't, codependents aren't born, they're made, you know. It isn't something that we just do. It is something that we were taught, and it's based on our relationships with our caregivers, both the one that they have directly with me, uh, as well as the ones that they have with each other. And so when you start healing, um, it's kind of like, where do I start? And what I love about this reading is that it's, it's understanding and it has that gentle approach to recovery. And it clearly gives us an idea of where we start. And uh, we look at self-neglect as one of the markers of whether or not, you know, this person, myself included, needs to make some drastic changes within relationships and whether or not uh, we are just being kind and loving and caring towards somebody uh, versus caretaking. And so I thought today's conversation could be really a, a sharing and discussing kind of type. I don't want this to be uh, a room where we hear my voice the whole time, that would be incredibly boring. But I want people to kind of come and, and share how, um, how did you start learning about your codependency and what are, what are your intentions? You know, like what are the questions? What's hard about it? Because uh, it isn't as easy. And everybody is welcome to come up and share 
Um, and, and with that, I think I'll stop and uh, ask uh, Kathy what she's thinking about the topic and any insight that you may have. Uh, insight might be stretching it, but I, I became aware of being codependent. I knew my relationships um, weren't good, uh, weren't, certainly weren't perfect, and in some cases were, weren't good, and that's kind of uh, platonic relationships as well as romantic ones. And But I thought, well, that's just how I am. I kind of, uh, I, I fall very quickly for people. I get involved and then I get bored. Uh, and I thought, well, uh, you know, that's, uh, but it's, it's, um, it was in a room with, uh, on Clubhouse, Christina, it was a room with you and you were talking about codependency, which I had completely misunderstood in the past. And I thought, wait a minute. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of recognized a lot in that and, um, have been working on it ever since to, uh, you know, kind of, uh, there've been ebbs and flows. So sometimes a bit more successful than others, but an example has come to me of kind of behavior and self-care probably in the last 15 or 20 minutes. Um, I, I spoke my truth in a room and I, as always, I'm heavy handed. Um, and I'm, I came to the, you know, I, became aware that it was possibly upsetting to some people um and now I could and I felt wretched I felt wretched when I when I, when I realized that um so I need to be mindful of doing that but it's kind of you know do it's that old adage of you know do you want to be happy or do you want to be right um and I'd rather still make people around me happy but I'm not going to I'm not going to beat myself up about this tonight. I'm going to learn from it. Uh, I'm going to take away something from it. Um, I'm, I'm going to, you know, make uh, amends as far as I think they need making and, but rather work on the behavior. And that, that's, that's going to be self care for me today is, is thinking about, you know, how, how do you, how do you navigate? You can speak the truth, but you don't need to, speak it with a capital T and slam it down in front of somebody. You can always just say, I disagree or, or whatever. Um, so that, that's got a little bit personal, I'm afraid. So I apologize about that. But um, self-care and codependency is, is the difference between waking up and thinking, right, I'm in a bad mood, but I'm modding, so I'm going in and people are just going to have to take me as I find me. Or thinking, do you know what? It's not going to be good for anybody, especially myself, to uh, be in that mind today so if i can't get out of that mindset i'm gonna have to duck out um with you know provisos and making sure you're not letting people down um but yeah it's the the, the self-care thing is difficult for me I, I i must confess um kind of trying to to balance everybody and everything um but it's something I'm working on and I'm aware of now, which is the key. So I'm, I'm getting better at it. So um, I hope anyway. Uh, so thank you, Christina. Oh, I love that. I love your share um, because I, I agree with you. It is one of the hardest parts. And a lot of times people show up in this area, uh, you know, uh, that have patterns that you know, when you start listening to the characteristics of codependency, it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> That's been in every one of my relationships. That's been, oh, wow, wow. And, and it is not just romantic. A lot of times the romantic relationship is what brings us to our knees. But when I started really understanding what codependency is, because I also misunderstood it, I thought it was, you know, the person who had no boundaries or the person which is you know not exactly true but you have squishy boundaries i thought it was the person who was mild and just did what everybody said and that didn't describe me i mean i was powerful and uh definitely convicted in some of my beliefs and so you know i was uh having codependency infiltrate all of my relationships i thought that was that made me good i thought that made me the best friend the best employee and was always confused when a partner would be like no that's too much you're asking for too much and so um 
I love that you share that. And I also love the gentle approach. What a wonderful example of sharing. And, you know, I've said this here before, but it's really important to know this when, because we're usually fighting childhood trauma and we don't have the words or the capacity because, you know, trauma shows up. We show up at the age that we were traumatized or or let's say maybe you weren't as traumatized as maybe the next person, but you have beliefs that you um, took on, you know, as a child. When your family operates in a certain way and you're three years old, <clears throat> you don't question that. There, it's We don't have the capability as children to question that, you know, and so it's very sneaky and... Uh, so when you kind of get to this room, when I got to this room, a lot of feelings showed up, you know, when, when these things kind of came on, you know, these codependent slips. And I just felt terrible about myself. And so it's so one of the things that I love about the setting healthy boundaries is that we talk about the transition, the transformation that happens within us and boundaries make relationships better. So do mistakes, you know, so do mistakes or heavy handedness sometimes because the cleanup, because that incident gave us an opportunity to get closer to that person and develop more trust. But thank you so much for helping me mod today. I so love it when we get to do it. Dynamic duo here, Elizabeth. Yes, I'm here. Oh, thank you for coming to me. Um, love the love everything that's being said. You know, the most health, the most important relationship is the one with ourselves, and the, the love that we put on ourselves. And I'm thinking about that healthy boundary, and the healthy boundary we have with ourselves. And thinking about, you know, putting uh, if we visualize a boundary with ourselves in a, a zone of kindness and gentleness and that self-love. So, you know, when we come into recovery and still that self-loathing and so many people teeter on, like teeter is not a good word, but, you know, thinking of that place where bad things happen to people in, you know, going, I mean, the gift of recovery a lot of people don't get here, you know, and they go into a, that downward spiral where it's death or institutions. And, you know, you know, I believe we're, we're the lucky ones that get recovery. But we do, this, this person in recovery, you know, I was in a, a deep, dark place of self-loathing. It took me a lot to get into, step out of that and a long time to get into the place where I am. Um, as you call it, that different level of recovery, Christina. But, you know, to get in, you know, to think of that healthy boundary around yourself, you know, we think of boundaries external to ourselves, but internal, you know, that zone of kindness and get to that place of self-love and uh, treat ourselves gently and kindly, you know, at the very beginning of recovery and talk that self-talk and, begin, begin, begin. And, you know, as I said, the most important love relationship, we can't love others, change our relationships with others until we have that self-love and change our, our love patterns, change our behaviors, change and develop in our recovery. So, we start changing in how we feel emotionally about ourselves, uh, lessen our degree of codependency, if I'm using the right terminology, all those things of positive recovery until we change. So if we think of healthy recovery, put a zone around us that is good, that is that feels good to us. So the setting healthy boundaries internalize that not x think of external you know in in terms of healthy healthy happy gentle being gentle you know positive light that's my 
that's my share right now. Thank you. Oh, I love it. And, you know, you remind me of the very first room we had about this. And, you know, I opened it up by saying the first step to setting healthy boundaries is loving yourself and knowing yourself. And so for me, uh, I never got anywhere positive by being so snarky. Uh, with myself. And that was one of the reasons, you know, why I shared about, you know, being in another mental health room and listening to this leader mock uh, a codependent. Um, and, and I just, you know, I was repelled because I don't believe that true recovery can happen at this level without treating ourselves with respect and being kind to ourselves. And I met somebody very early on in my recovery who would say self-love is an action because a lot of times people kind of like, how do I love myself? I don't know what that means. You know, I don't know how to do that. And I, I was one of those people and she would say self-love is an action. And, and what I, you know, there are some phrases that come from AA that I love. And one of the ones that, um, stuck with me is we have to act our way into right thinking. And, uh, and I think we have to, I think we have to act our way into right thinking and we have to address feelings and deal with hurt and, you know, pain and acknowledge it. Um, and so if for anybody who's in the room, that's like, yeah, how do I get started on this? You know, it is about for me and with anybody I work with, starting with the nervous system and making a contract, a self-care contract for your emotional, spiritual, and physical needs every day. And that is the beginning. So I really love that you shared about self-love because it's, it doesn't, we start with concrete, actionable items and that will bring on the next insights that we need to get to a place where we can truly love ourselves and we can see our value. Um, Amber, thanks for coming up. Hey guys, good morning. Um, so the the topic of caregiving from the beginning kind of got me fired up. Um, so that's why I popped Love up. It. But <laughs> um, I would say that that was my uh, kryptonite. That's kind of what got me seeing a lot of my codependency uh, struggles. Um, and I it was just, it was, it was to the other extreme of caregiving. And it was, um, something that I felt like I had to do. It was something that I felt like was pushed on me from, uh, family members and from people around me. It was almost an expectation. And then it got even worse. I would say whenever I became a massage therapist about eight years ago, and it was almost like, it just, it, there was, there was no boundaries from the beginning. And then there was like no boundaries with how much I was willing to care for others and, and extend my energy, extend my body, extend my time. And, um, and it almost, and, and, and there's a lot of, uh, as a healer and as somebody that does healing work, you naturally will learn how to become more empathic. You will naturally learn how to care for others on deeper levels, which is a beautiful thing in the right container, in the right way that is like supporting me. Um, and uh, anyways, and uh, you know, it's just like it, anyways, it just from all kinds of things, family members, um, expectations, um, that are put on you from when you're a little, little person. And it just, it started to ruin my life. It really did. I was resentful. I was angry. I felt like I had no sense of self. It's, um, I couldn't have like genuine relationships without like getting into other people's stuff because I needed to take care of them. It was like, it was so unhealthy and I didn't even know that it was unhealthy, you know, cause that was, that was the only way that I knew how to be, 
Um, but uh, I'm just so grateful that it's something that can heal and, and can be fixed and can be um, reworked. And that's the kind of the journey I'm on. Um, it kind of fires me up now because I just like, I look at it and I'm like, I, cause it's something that I, I think genuine like caregiving, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a beautiful trait. And I think that's a lo- very loving, a loving thing that I'm never going to give away completely. That is my, one of my things that I do care about and love about myself, but doing it properly with the right boundaries and making sure I am not becoming resentful and doing it in a way that makes sure that me and the other person have a great relationship. That's how you do it. And so I'm sorry, (laughs) I'm a little bit fired up, but I just, yeah, this is great. Thanks for the topic. And I'm so glad that I can share with (laughs) y'all. I love it. Love, oh, sorry, Christine. Go ahead, Kathy. I love fired up, Amber, because um, I know I know how much work you do, and um, and I, another important reminder um, going on what Christina said that you know codependents are made. Um, we're we're not we're not born out of nothing, and yes, that that stuff we we have from our childhood forms us so much, and um, very often does us no favours. I mean, if, if, if you thought about the kind of person that your, you know, your, your child is going to be <laughs> in terms of their mental health and, and, and what they need, um, then, then people hopefully would, would, some people rather, would, would hopefully act differently. Um, I'm going to uh, hand it back to Christina, but I'm going to switch the hand raising off because we've got quite a full stage. But there's a chat function um, if you if you want to contribute and and maybe can't. But there's a full stage, so um, I hope that's all right with Christina. Yes, I want to make sure nobody feels rushed. And you know, Amber, I just I I love that you bring that part of it because I think that 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 is important for people to know that as we start figuring out where where we came with the beliefs that we see that there's a lot of socialization and there's a lot of um, important kind of messages being sent. You know, we the room is off for the month, but uh, I do a gender matter room. And of course, men can be codependent. And, and believe me, I've met many uh, you know, I have a lot of, I work with a lot of individual men who understand that, that they have been, you know, expecting somebody else to define them, you know, but women get socialized. One of the best compliments you can get as a mother is that you're a selfless mother and we are going to get pissed when we first figure this out. That's part of it. And that means we're healing that means we're recognizing that these were unconscious choices. And um, and I love that because it's super important for if you have never been somebody who allowed to have feelings to come up, if you uh, were put in a position that you needed to take care of other emotional needs and you detached from your own feelings uh, and your own even body, it might not feel great when it first shows up. But we keep working toward it and we see our part and their part and we go in and have flexibility around these belief systems. You know, I, I know like CBT and all those things have great promise. But for me, true recovery is the psychological flexibility to see that there is no black and white thinking um, that in my affairs, I want to be open to all of the new information. And so just to tell people in the room, if you are afraid of being mad, I get it because you were socialized not to be mad. And, uh, and part of recovery is getting angry about things. So thank you, Teresa. Hi, Teresa. Okay, we'll come back to you, Teresa. Christopher, how are you? First of all, I just want to say hi. So good to see you. Looking, I know I I've I've been going to the recovery for the fitness uh, room, and there's like there hasn't been any meetings there. So I've been like for the past 
month or so, I, I dropped into a few sobriety rooms and I saw that you were speaking in my notifications. I was like, oh, I think that there's a new um, house. So I'm so glad that I found you and that I found um, this space. It literally has made my day. I'm really happy to see your smiling bubble. <laughs> Love that you have, that you've come in and come up to share. Is there anything that you want to add to the conversation? Yeah, I think that especially for me, I've been um, working through, um, I, 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 thanks to the um, to Clubhouse, I made a really great discovery that, um, that I never knew that I was uh, recovering from codependency or that I was someone who, um, had codependent behaviors and, you know, in my development and through therapy and things, and also just, you know, in dating people and having, trying to be more intentional in my relationships, you know, coming across that and realizing that I also have a, um, an avoidant attachment style and, um, you know, just taking the moments to be vulnerable with myself and say, Hey, you want to run, like when things don't go your way or like when you feel like you've over-invested, which is going to be normal because I've only been recovering for, I, from codependency for maybe a year. Um, so of course, you know, there will still be times where like I engage with someone. I'm like, oh, like here's a fantasy and I have to let that fantasy, I have to let reality shatter through that fantasy and then feel disappointed and have the courage to communicate um, with the person like, oh, okay, like these things make me happy. These things make me not happy and deal with the, um, with the risk of potentially them not wanting to participate and continue further um, in those relationships. So just thinking about um, all the ways in which I can keep myself motivated to keep working on me because that is a lot of work um, and not wanting to get lost in someone else um, as a means to get oh, great, I have a relationship I'm afraid of any of this work that I'm supposed to do by myself because I can just get lost um, someone else instead. And just really trying to extend myself as much grace as possible that like, hey, your first few dating situations after gaining the awareness that you are codependent will have traces of codependency in the beginning. And when you realize it's yeah. going to suck and when you um, decide not to do that anymore, it's going to shift your relationship and to really put the focus on the other person and say, is this someone who makes you feel safe? Is this someone that I trust? Um, and and to let those things, and to let that risk and that fear of, um, and that, that um, not that fear, but the potential of it not working be okay because you're looking for someone that makes you feel safe. And of course that can't be everyone um, that you interact with. So just trying to extend myself that grace. Um, it's tricky, but I'm doing it, but it really sucks sometimes. <laughs> it does. It does. And you brought up such a great um, point, you know, with the attachment styles. And I know that our world and especially in the recovery world, we talked all about it. And thank you, Teresa. I will um, go to you next. Thanks for letting me know you're available. And and here's it. It is a fear of abandonment. Um, and it's what we are taught. And so I love that you brought up the the courage that it takes to show up in a relationship and start being open and honest. And this is a topic for another room, but for many of us who are codependent, we have a fear of intimacy, even though it seems like we're getting lost in somebody else. You know, I totally love that, but it's our own fear of being known. And that's why we will go get lost in somebody else. And uh, so it is trippy and it is difficult and it's worth it though. I mean, that's the one thing that needs to be shared if it hasn't been. It is so worth it and it's a journey. So I feel like I'm just saying platitudes right now. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to Dorisa so everybody gets to share. Thank you, Christopher. So happy to see you. Teresa, we're on you now. I am back. Excellent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I really liked what Amber said, and now I can't recall what it was, but I was like, wow, that is good. Um, so I am... Um, I, I discovered I was codependent and didn't even know what the word meant until I was in the rooms of Al-Anon 
and um, found out that I, I learned these ways, these unhealthy ways to have relationships and deal with people when I was growing up around my, my mom and my dad. Um, and I, I was always thinking there was just something quite off. You know, I wasn't trying to compare my family to TV, but, you know, it's like, damn, why can't my family be like family ties and growing pains? I'd love, I'd love it, you know, but um, my, my dad was an asshat and I'm just trying to be polite on that when I do use these words. And then my mother was a crying um, person that was saying God was punishing her. And for whatever I knew about God, I'm like. I don't know he's a punishing God, but I don't know that you did anything to deserve what you have, you know? And then I met a lot of nice guys before I met my ex, but because the behavior was um, familiar, I ended up gravitating towards that. And I appreciate that his group of AA folks said that I had to go to Al-Anon if I wanted to salvage the relationship. And I went very begrudgingly saying I had done uh, quite enough, thank you. Um, but I, I still wanted to see what I could do to salvage the relationship. And what I found out when I came to those rooms is that I had a lot of healing to do and a lot of recovery to find. And um, when I heard that word codependent, and I'm like, what does this mean? And then when I'm still dealing with my mom and my siblings and there are some behavior patterns that I've um, gotten into, you know, like we're, we're just trying to survive these uh, unhealthy relationships and we start doing the unhealthy things. And I have to catch myself when I'm dealing with my son, you know, and I thank you for my son because he'll call me out right there on the spot <laughs> and tell me what I am, you know, not doing correctly and, and then the other times that I'm thinking you're overreaching, but there, you know, I appreciate that he, he's an open communicator and he's not afraid to say the things. And I'm in a new relationship now. We're three and a half months in and we had at least three difficult conversations, but then I feel like I had to step up and say what I needed to say because I didn't want to go back later and resent that remark and never have that conversation. And storing that in my uh, baggage and, you know, not releasing it. And um, he, we talked about it and he said, well, that's not how I meant it. It's just that I've, in the last two years, I haven't stood up for myself and I, I felt like I needed to say, and, and it's different because he's, he's in recovery. And, um, and so I thought this would be a good thing, but, oh my gosh, I want me to say when somebody can emote or detail their their feelings in a relationship the conversations get long <laughs> oh my gosh and um i guess that's all i have to say thank you those conversations do get long Teresa, and i wonder if that's why uh, coffee is our uh, drink of choice when we come out of uh, drinking alcohol it helps with all the uh, the the sobriety work that we do on ourselves um uh like uh, it reminded me a little of what Christopher said. It's it's that bravery and that that self confidence to to take on new relationships and be open to those changes and in yourself uh, and bring them to um, a new relationship or your existing relationships, like you say with your son. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that share. Thank you, um, and I enjoyed that element of it, uh, Christina. Oh, thank you, Teresa, for always bringing it. <clears throat> uh, I want to make sure I'm mindful of the time, so I'm going to go ahead and move on to Laura. I'm so happy to see you. Hey, everyone. I'm Laura. I'm an alcoholic. Um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the room. You know, just the concept of codependency, honestly, was something I had heard of, but I did not even begin to really understand until... I started to come to your room, Christina. Um, uh, I, what I would say is I, uh, my connotation of codependency was of course a, like a negative thing, like you're codependent on someone, meaning like you're needy and clingy and all that kind of thing. Um, but really I grew up 
in a an environment of now looking back on it like codependency, but it was it was normalized. Um, and I don't I don't really think there was anything wrong with it in the sense that we were a very close knit family and we relied on each other very very much. Um, but I don't know that it ever rose to the level of being un- uh, unhealthy. But I I got very used to, you know, you're always here for me. I'm always there for you. And and that's kind of what I took into my adult relationships. But then when I what I have since realized is that when I look back on all my adult romantic relationships, particularly, but even my friendships, I always like dove in head first and dove in deep. I never, I was not one to ever date. You know, I was one to like get in a relationship, stay in a relationship. Um, like I honestly on two hands can, can count the amount of people that I've dated in my life. Um, and that's because like I said, I, I get in a relationship or even a friendship. I give it a thousand fifty percent and I don't like, just want to be like your acquaintance. Like, I kind of want to be like your friend, friend, you know, and, and that, that has led me to become very codependent on people because when things don't go well, which they absolutely have in my, especially in my romantic relationships, um, I fall hard. I fall really, really hard. And that's where I could see where that codependency uh, of my wrapping up my worth and my, um, and my identity, really. Like my identity when I was married and raising my kids was that I was a wife and a mother. I don't know really what happened to Laura during those years, but I, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with not paying attention to her. I didn't think it was a codependency thing. I didn't think it was an unhealthy thing. But now looking back on it, I really did do myself a disservice. Um, and you know, that there, you know, there are boundaries, like that, the whole concept of boundaries is something I learned on Clubhouse. It really is. It's not even something I learned in AA at all, really. Um, and so it's something I continue to kind of struggle with, um, learn, learn about, I think, I'm, I, I think I have a better understanding of it now, but I really look back at my adult life and I say, you are one big codependent on like in every relationship. Um, and I don't want that for myself anymore. I want it to be, you know, I want more symbiotic relationships and, and relationships where it's more of a give and take and, um, and not where, you know, I, I could still be my own individual self and I don't have to lose myself or, or decide who I am based on who, what our relationship is. Um, so that's why I find these, this, this topic and these rooms like incredibly helpful. So I'm not going to take up any more time because I know there's other people, but, um, yeah, it's just to say that, you know, um, I, I definitely need to continue to learn, um, to learn about this and, and learn that it's, it's okay to, to give in a loving way in a relationship, but not get so wrapped up that it's, uh, that it's unhealthy. So thanks for letting me share. Oh, I, you brought up so many good points, Laura. You, it is normalized. And, you know, the hallmark of codependency is when we have an expectation of somebody else to fulfill our needs. And we're told that's what it is. That's what what a relationship is. And uh, we will get into it. It's so common uh, for us to get into this non-dating kind of, you know, we make a joke, the second date is you moving in. And so these are all really good hallmarks of somebody looking at their life and saying, well, what, what, what does that mean? What's wrong with this? And uh, I am not surprised that you did not hear about boundaries. Um, we live in a dominator model co- country, you and I. Most of the world is based on on a lack of boundaries or systems that say, this is how you act, this is what that means. And there isn't a necessarily a promotion of self to take care of self. We're told that's selfish. And uh, I hope that those of us in recovery and those that are starting to have kind of conversations about this or continue to have it, that we keep spreading the word 
by it's okay for you to take care of yourself. To be an adult means that you focus on your needs um, and take care of those first before you go over to somebody else and take care of them. Um, it's that oxygen mask thing that we hear about. But what does that actually mean? And it means having conversations like this. This is how we get started and have the awareness. Absolutely, Laura. Um, and I'm uh, we, yeah. I'm going to pass on to another yes. Laura. Uh, <laughs> hi, Laura. How are you? I am. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, boundaries. Ooh, ooh, ooh. This is. Um, something that I worked hard for. Um, you know, as you guys can see, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. You know, I was sexually abused as a child. I grew up in domestic violence and then I married very young and married somebody who was extremely abusive to me and endured much pain, hardship, um, for 20 years. Um, in that I have two beautiful grown adult children though. So they're lessons, right? Lessons learned. Um, but for me, it was not allowing someone who was abusive to me to have power over me. You know, I had to create boundaries to survive. I had to be okay, you know, um, with having standards. Um, I had to love myself and put myself first, um, despite of the things that I went through. I didn't want to um, have hate in my heart, resentment, or any form of bitterness despite of the things that I went through. I um, refused to reside in hate and anger. Um, and, you know, as of today, you know, I've just um, learned um, so much about red flags and educating others, you know, um, when it comes to people who are manipulative, controlling, deceitful, you know, and things like that, lack compassion, filled with anger and things like that. And, um, you know, today I'm able to see those red flags and um, not extend hate, um, but just have um, distance, balance, you know, um, not allowing anybody to ever take power or control over me. And, um, yeah, those are um, pretty much the boundaries that I have, that I've learned through the, through the things that I've gone through in my own journey. And um, what I love also, you know, helping my clients, because a lot of times it's very hard for um, people who are in abusive relationships to create healthy boundaries if they're still in abusive relationships, whether that's in marriage, work, family, friendships. But it's important to create boundaries, you know. Um, so, yeah, great um, conversation and um you know, I love um, talking about boundaries. So thank you for allowing me to share a little bit about me. Thank you, Laura. Thank you for that insight. And yes, the boundary setting, uh, the title of the room, what we go back to um, a lot. Um, we learn all the time from different people, um, from different situations and from, from different times of the bloody day uh, about our boundaries. I think that's something we all have in common in this room. Um, so thank you for thank you for introducing yourself and, and speaking. Um, Christina, would you like to weigh in? Oh, I, I want to, I'm mindful of the time, so I'm gonna go straight to Emerald. Laura, I started following you um, and perhaps we can talk about how you identify a narcissist. Um, I'd love to, to kind of get to know you. So thank you, so pleasure, uh, a true pleasure that you came up and shared, I really appreciate it. Emerald. Thanks so much. Um, great to see y'all today, midweek. Hey, um, there's um, a whole lot that I I thought that was so profound that I wanted to say, and then the moment I opened my mouth, I had nothing to say. Right. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I just wanted to get to. Um, I, I wanted to say thanks so much for this um, this topic, um, the piece with codependency that um, currently. Um, is, is a struggle for me is I'm realizing that as I continue to grow forward um, right now, specifically 
there's a lot of behaviors that are super toxic for my friends that are really close, my lover that I've had for the last seven years. Um, and I'm almost afraid of outgrowing them. Um, there was a piece that you had mentioned um, earlier, Christina, about being um, afraid of, God, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it was just, it really hit me and it resonated. And I was like, you know, yeah, because there's a piece of success that I'm almost like, I almost feel like, Emerald, you've been so shitty in the past. You don't deserve this. And it's like I'm shitting on myself in a matter of speaking. You know, I'm shitting. And so the should is you shouldn't have this because you were this. Almost like I don't deserve to grow and to be free of toxicity in a level. Like I'm not saying that I'm not going to be friends anymore with, you know, my people. I'm just probably not kick it with them as much. You know, um, find some new friends that are more my speed with where I want to be now, where I want to be tomorrow. The person that I'm building and becoming, um, the person that I deserve the love from when I look at every morning. You know, funniest thing happened the other night um, after court. Um, we got our uh, understanding of everything, by the way. So that was really good. And this week I go in for my assessment so that we will see how things go next week when I go in for sentencing, which is kind of tough and I'm still moving through it, you know. Um, but there's a lot of growth that I'm coming into right now that I'm really grateful for, specifically um, in this piece where I'm grateful to not see my level of codependency because I have to have it. I have to find a way to trust people with the new me. You know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm just going to be by myself. And it's okay to to be involved with folks on a close personal level, but do I want to get into, I think that's what you were talking about. Is it, I, do I feel like I'm safe to be intimate with this new, with these new people? Am I, am I safe to give them me, you know, the Emerald Khan, the person, I mean, they'll see the character, but the person, you know, um, I got to find that inside of myself and have that healthy kind of partnership um, because I am a social person and I can't not be like that. I'm going to, I'm going to find myself in a weird place. My son's getting older. Um, life is changing. Um, so anyway, I, I really appreciate this topic because there's some moments of self-realization that just happened for me. So thanks so much, Christina. Thanks, Kathy. Um, always appreciate the space. Great seeing everyone. Thanks. I'm Emerald and I'm done. Thank you, Emerald. <clears throat> you know, uh, it, it's so true that when we start setting boundaries or we start changing, some of our people don't go with us and it's painful at first. It's uh, uh, for those of us who are in recovery from a substance, uh, we certainly see the drop off of uh, our using friends. And when we start changing and start learning to have these boundaries, some people won't like them. And so it's the kind of the great sorter of all friendships to see who's still standing when you start taking care of yourself. And it's important to pay attention to the ones that clap, that cheer you on, that say, you know, I have friends now that when I have to cancel something and take care of myself, they appreciate it and they tell me to do it and they're proud of me for saying no they're proud of me for taking care of myself that they and and I didn't know those kind of people existed um I attracted the same type of person you know in the reading today it said some people seem to invite emotional caretaking I used to think that meant they really understood me um and they thought I was great. I used to get high off that. And now I see it as more of a red flag if somebody wants me, it, you know, depending on how long I've known this person. So I, this is, of course, not the end of this conversation for anybody who showed up in <clears throat> a recovered life room. I want to point out the link because the link uh, connects you to an online community outside of Clubhouse. It's completely free. Uh, when you join Recovered Life, you will be invited immediately to Volley. And Volley allows us to send messages to each other. Um, we get 
good coaching from that, um, from that. And you can ask questions. And so I just want to point that out. Like I said, it's completely free. Tomorrow we'll be back uh, with the Unstuck Room with my partner, Damon Frey. Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free and you can apply at recoveredlife.us. Frank.